this is Jonas Dupuy. Welcome to another episode of the Bonsai Wire podcast. This week, we have a great show with Adam Toth, who's currently apprenticing in Japan at Taiga Urushibata's garden. Adam and I have spent many hours working in the garden together over the years, and he was the first one to regularly start helping out in my garden. It was fun to catch up with Adam and hear what he is working on in Japan. Join us now for the conversation. I just, I work... I'm working with these amazing trees all day long and I forget how amazing they really are because I'm around them all day and I'm working on them all day. Just yesterday I was like pulling needles off this pine. It's this huge, like two foot, two and a half foot tree. And the bark is, you know, each plate is like that thick and it's going down all the branches and I'm just like throwing needles off of it and not even paying close attention, like working faster than hard, like more precise. And it's just something that if it was in America, it would be like a famous tree, you know, because of how amazing it is. But over here, it's like a dime a dozen it's really it's really a strange yeah it's just strange well that's going to kick off the episode i've been recording this whole time and that's a beautiful note to start on (laughs) oh man but how nice is it to work on stuff like that i mean that sounds awesome it is nice it is nice um yeah it is nice now now i'm nervous man now i'm nervous Oh, good. I'll put you on the spot. Well, I'll say for everyone else's sake, I'm uh, Jonas Dupuy. This is the Bonsai Wire podcast. And today I'm talking with Adam. Adam, say hi to everybody. How's it going? I'm Adam. I am 33 years old and I'm from Northern California. And I am doing a apprenticeship in Japan with Taiga Urushibata at Taishoen. How in the world did you end up there? Oh, man. That is a, uh, a long story. Uh, but to make it quick, I... Oh, make it long. We got time. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Um, you know, I was uh, spending a lot of time at your place and kind of already had this feeling that I wanted to do an apprenticeship in Japan, you really helped convince me to go for it and to push for it. And so I went to Japan, really not knowing where I wanted to go or what it was actually gonna be like. And I spent, what was it, two weeks, just kind of traveling around to different nurseries and talking to different people and handing letters of intent to study somewhere. Yeah, so I traveled around and really not knowing where I wanted to go. Every day, I kind of just ended up somewhere and booked a hotel for wherever I was. Yeah, I visited a lot of different nurseries and met a lot of different people. And I still didn't really know exactly what I was looking for. Um, and that was the time, that was the World Bonsai Convention. Yeah, I got to 
really see a lot of different professionals and different nurseries. And Taishoen was on the list. And when I got there, I spoke with the other Deshi that was there. And Taiga-san. And I don't know, I was, it was just a different feeling when I was there. It just felt like a place that kind of fit my personality and what I wanted in an apprenticeship and what I want for when I get home. It was, there was a lot of different like styles of trees, a lot of different material in all different ranges, some complete, some still being grown. And I really liked the difference the variety of what was there. It was a feeling, you know, it just felt, it just felt different and it felt, I don't know, like me. It wasn't like a museum, but it also wasn't like messy and dirty. So it was something that I really wanted to strive for organizationally and, you know, just the quality of trees and small trees, shohin and big trees, just, yeah, like I said, just a wide variety of everything. So yeah, it just felt right. And after speaking with Taiga-san the first time, I kind of dropped my interest in everywhere else and just focused on, on going to Taishouen. So, so when I was there the first time, there was no like real set in stone thing. It was just us kind of talking about my intent to be an apprentice there. And he told me to you know, let them, you know, keep them informed, let them know what's going on. And so, um, yeah, a year later went by and I went back to Japan to talk to him again and to check out Kokofu. Yeah, I really wanted to go to Kokofu. So I kind of used it as killing two birds with one stone kind of thing. And he, he said he would, he was, he's willing to give me a, a three month opportunity at that time. And so he said, whenever I'm ready, come back, let him know. And uh, yeah, we can do that three month trial period. And that was, man, I don't even remember the timeline anymore. Was that an exciting or terrifying bit of news when he said, yeah, come to Japan? Uh, hmm. I, you know, I don't remember. I don't remember <laughs> what I was feeling in that moment. There was, it was, it's kind of a lot like traveling, traveling like that. and it's hard to remember kind of specific little things. And I think the, the trial period itself kind of overshadows my feelings of what I thought it was going to be before. Tell us about the gap of what your expectation was and what actually happened when you, uh, when you uh, woke up one morning and showed up at the garden for day one. Yeah. So I, there was a lot that I had to do before I could go and, uh, do the three month trial period. It was, it's really expensive to travel. And, you know, I had all my stuff and there was a lot of like loose ends to take care of. Um, I was still working at my previous job. So I wanted to save up some money because I knew the whole experience was going to be very expensive. And, you know, my parents, they don't pay for anything anymore. I'm I'm 33, so I'm pretty much an adult. And so everything that I do at this point is kind of up to me. And 
um, the support of my fiance, Irena, who has been amazing in supporting me financially during this whole thing. But yeah, there was just a lot to do to prepare leaving everything behind and coming over here for three months. Even though it was just three months, it was, yeah, there was a lot to do. So I think it was, a, it took me a year, almost a year, nine months, nine, 10 months to kind of prepare everything and get everything kind of situated so that I could do the three month trial period. I feel like I'm all over the place, man. No, you're dead on it because that's kind of how I remember. It's funny because I remember you going through all of these various steps and yeah, you did have a lot of things to deal with and that took a long time. Yeah, there was, a, there was definitely a lot to do. There was a lot to take care of. It's hard to say one day, oh, and now life won't be here anymore. Life is going to be somewhere else doing something else. It's totally out of my control and it's very far away. Yeah, exactly. So I wanted to go about this in a, the best way possible. So I didn't just kind of drop everything and throw everything in the garbage and head over. You know, I definitely wanted to be a little smarter about it and make sure everything was taken care of. And yeah. Now, when it came to that trial run, did, I don't know if you remember any of that now, but did it feel, do you remember feeling any different in character from kind of what your life was like when you started full time after that? Meaning was that first three months, roughly what life was like when you got here for this trip? So, okay. So it was definitely, it was definitely different. Like I felt like it was, it was a, it was more than a trial to to see if it was something that I liked and if I fit in with the family. It was really like, do I have what it takes to survive in that kind of environment? And so I feel like they they tried to make it as hard as possible for those first three months to see if I could endure what it was, what it's going to be like. And so I feel like the first three months were definitely harder than, in some ways, than what it's like now being here full time. Now you say hard, a lot of people who've never been to Japan or been through apprenticeships are thinking, oh, yeah. it sounds so hard to do bonsai all day long. Yeah, exactly. Oh no, that sounds terrible. And I'm, um, I'm speaking and I'm speaking from a place where it's like, you kind of know what it's like. <laughs> so give us some examples for some Man, people it's, who it's, don't like, really what is, <laughs> it, I, I totally agree. Like, do any stories come to mind of particularly hard days or is the hardness more emotional or physical or mental or all of the above? It's absolutely everything. Everything that could is difficult is difficult. It was a lot of work. It's hard to be away from, you know, my friends and family. It's hard to be in a place where the culture is so different. I didn't have, man, I don't know. I'd have to, I have to think about that for a second. How do I explain that in words? How well, is something difficult? And I did just spring this on you, but that was one of the things I, I had been thinking about ahead of time. The other one was, a lot of people think they may not just know one way or the other what the teaching process looks like in Japan. And I have heard some people talk about, oh, it'd be so nice to have a Japanese teacher. And I just smile whenever I hear that because I think 
teaching an apprentice? What's that? You know, I'm, yeah, so, I'm, I'm curious what the, if you thought about how you might characterize the learning process as an apprentice or if there is such a thing. Yeah, I feel like that's a whole podcast episode in itself. <laughs> and we could do um, that separately if you want, but I agree. <laughs> that's, I find the topic fascinating. So it's definitely a lot different than the Western's like idea of teaching and learning and working. It's everything is kind of up to my own volition. So what do I take away from it? What do I learn? There's no one like sitting next to me and say, oh, this is how you wire a branch or, oh, this is what you do at this time of the year. There's no traditional teaching going. It's all, this is what we're doing, do it this way. Or, man. Well, I'm glad, I'm gl let me just say, I'm glad that this can be edited and <laughs> I feel like, I feel like this needs to be, uh, like I need some, some time to think about these questions. Yeah, they're totally fair. And if you need time to think about it, we can just move on to something else because these are like, I, I, I reflect on these kind of things all the time, just because I think like yesterday, I was thinking to myself, you know, what would be some really fun things to talk about? And I know what I'm curious about and interested in. And I was thinking, well, not what kind of an answer would I expect to hear, but just what a conversation might sound like trying to figure that out. Cause we're not always conscious of the lessons we're learning as we're learning them or the result of things as we're doing it. Cause a lot of an apprenticeship is survival in a lot of ways. And it's like, how do we get yeah. through today? How do we, how's tomorrow going to go? Yeah. You know, I think there's a lot of that, but I think my age has, has brought me um, some wisdom and some perspective on, on what you just said. Cause I I'm able to like, if I am getting yelled at for something, I'm able to take away, you know, the, the, the lesson in that I'm able to learn something from it. And it's not just, Oh, I did something wrong and I'm getting in trouble or I feel like my answers are a dud here, Jonas. I need, well, I need, you know, I need, funny. I need some time. I need some time to think about these questions. I think, I think I'm nervous. I'm nervous to do this. <laughs> I don't know why I'm nervous. Like I'm not normally nervous. Well, it's just thousands of strangers listening. That's all. Exactly. Exactly. And I think, uh, yeah. I, think I, I think I ruined this, Jonas. I think I did. I think I'm too in my head. <laughs> I'm not, I'm like not in the zone, man. I'm like, it's, it's not coming to me. My brain is frozen. Oh, this is going to be great. For everyone listening, yeah, this is not the Adam I knew before going to Japan. You can tell this is what apprenticeship, this is your brain on apprenticeship. It really <laughs> is. I'm just like not sleeping enough. Today was the first time, today's my day off, and it's really the first time that I've gotten more than five or six hours of sleep. And it's really hard to, you know, work a whole month straight on five hours a day of sleep it really it really affects me man like really it's pretty hard it's pretty difficult to go through every day exhausted and yeah it's just difficult 
And today, you know, I finally got to sleep in a little bit, like I said earlier. But um, because I slept so much, like I feel bad, you know, <laughs> oversleep. Yeah. Yeah. So the uh, kind of the flip side to what you're saying about the learning or how you've kind of internalized when you get yelled at as you're thinking, oh, there actually is something I could have done differently. What might that have been? The flip side of all of that would be when you checked in a few days ago, and actually you shared this online, oh, I'm starting to feel a little better about some wiring. And it's just so exciting to see that every once in a while you're able to step back enough and say, oh, my wiring didn't look like this six months ago. Something's clearly changing. And that's, yeah. that's kind of yeah. cool. That is, it is really neat to, to see that in myself, to see how much how much better I'm getting and how quick I'm improving in my skills. I think that's a good way of putting it. So you just mentioned that you got one day off with no notice after about a month of five hours sleep every night. Walk yeah. us through a typical day. Like what does your day look like? Yeah. So I am the newest person. So the youngest Deshi in terms of time, time put in there so i'm the bottom the bottom of the the list so all the crummy jobs are kind of on me so every day i wake up at about 6:45 in the morning and that gives me about 40 minutes to wake up eat something you know kind of gather gather myself and i and the first one at the nursery, I open it up, open the front door, start to clean, um, doing the dishes from the night before, starting the hot water for the tea, uh, cleaning. I have to clean the bathrooms every morning. About that time, it's about eight o'clock, eight, eight o five. And I take the dog for a walk, the nursery dog, Shido. So that's about 10, 10, 15 minutes every day. Then I get back and I feed the animals. I feed the dog. And there's a meerkat we have there too. So I take care of the meerkat in the morning. And at that time, it's about 8.30-ish. And after all the animals are kind of done and the cleaning is finished, I start weeding and we I'll do that. You know, it, it really depends. Most of the time it's for 30 minutes to an hour, just kind of picking up and weeding and random little things that come up in the nursery. And about half the time, if I have specific work that my Oyakata gave me, that's when I start to do it, whether it, whatever the day's work is on the tree or trees that I have to do. So that's wiring or taking wire off or, you know, it all depends on what time of the year and what tree it is. So yeah, I'll start working on that around 930, 930 ish. And all the way until lunch, I'm kind of working on my work while also paying attention to everyone else. And if they need something, I am the one to help or to do it for them. So making sure that everyone has wire or if somebody needs a tree carried, 
basically taking care of everybody else along with my own work. So it's not just, oh, I get to sit there and just wire a tree for eight hours. I'm really focused on making sure that everyone has what they need and along with all the other random things that come up during the day, cleaning or doing this or, you know, signing for packages or whatever, whatever comes up. So that's until about lunchtime. Yeah. So lunch, lunch comes and I set up for lunch. I set everyone's lunch. I get the tea ready, clean the table, set everything up. Then we have lunch and we usually eat lunch within five minutes. So it's kind of like a <laughs> eat as fast as you can. I still have a hard time eating quick. It's hard. They're fast. They are really, really fast. Like I try to eat as quick as I can, but without not chewing my food, I just don't see how it's possible to eat that fast. But um, so I try to eat as quick as quick as I can because I have to serve the tea and clean up everyone's lunch after they're done. So I'm serving and cleaning all while trying to eat my food. So yeah, about 10 minutes goes by and we're pretty much done with lunch. So I pick up, clean, and about at that time, it's you know a little after lunch. And that's time that I get to relax for a second, read a magazine, work on a tree if I want. Yeah, it's kind of like a open open time where I can do pretty much anything that I want. So that's kind of nice to not have to worry and feel stressed. Uh, so that's about one. So we finish one. Before one o'clock, everyone is kind of doing, continuing on, continuing on with their day. So whether that be work or cleaning, yeah, so as I was saying, half the time I get to work on my work. Of a lot of a lot of the time I'm doing random chores, cleaning, picking up, organizing, going through pretty much everything. As the apprentice, me and the other apprentice, we basically run and make sure everything is running in the garden. It's kind of up to us to pick up after everybody to make sure it's clean, to move trees and to get things ready and prepped and helping customers and anything short of actually, you know, working with the customers. It's kind of on us to do, to run the entire place. So it's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. So yeah, that continues all day, every day until about, five o'clock at five o'clock i take the dog for a walk again the night walk and yeah that's i actually really like taking the dog for a walk because it's <laughs> a chance for me to not to relax my mind and to not have to run around and be on my best behavior and to worry that everyone is kind of like relying on the work that goes on yeah I don't know it's just a, a nice time to not have to think about that but also think about just the whole experience it's a nice time to kind of relieve the mind 
Yeah, so, so I take the dog for a walk. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, and so then after the second, the night walk. Yeah, so I come back, you know, take care of the animals again, feed them, and that's about almost six o'clock. Everything is kind of, the dogs, the animals have been fed, and I kind of uh, close up everything that needs to be closed up. The work buildings and the, the greenhouse and make sure everything's kind of closed. And about six o'clock, uh, I can start working on my own work again. And about six o'clock is when Oyakata goes home. And yeah, we get to just work for another about 30 minutes or so. And usually about 6.30, we go home for dinner and we get about an hour and a half to two hours to eat dinner, run errands. You know, at that time I usually spend grocery shopping, cooking, eating. And then around 8.30, it's time for work again. So yeah, we'll usually go back to work when everything is closed up, you know. So it's, it's the study period of the day where I can actually focus on progressing my skills, wiring, doing bonsai work, or learning Japanese. So recently I've been really trying to get my Japanese to a place where I can hold a conversation or know what's going on, you know? So I've been spending a lot of time studying Japanese. But yeah, usually 8.30 is when the studying happens. And that can go anywhere for an hour and a half, two hours, two and a half hours, usually about 11, 11 p.m. I kind of call it quits, we, we call it quits. But if it's busy season or there's a show or whatever else is coming up, it can be longer or shorter, but 10, 30, 11 is usually average. And then, yeah, I kind of finish my day up, take a shower, get things ready for the next day. And about that time, it's, you know, 1230, one o'clock. And it's hard to settle. It's hard to settle down after working when the mind is just racing all day. I don't know. It's hard, it's hard for me to relax after all of that. Well, you got to be on the whole time and looking out for other people. Like if there's another person on the property, you kind of have to be looking out for them, whoever it is, family, coworkers, customers. Exactly. Whoever it is, everyone it is. So yeah, it's, it's a lot, man. It's, it's a lot. And it's, it's hard for me to, like my body is just absolutely exhausted, but my mind just does not rest. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's hard. It's hard. hard. To is yeah. Tyga out there working with you all after dinner? Usually no. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's just the apprentices, which is nice because it's a chance for us to kind of talk and to really like like work through our work and for my senpai to kind of look at my work and you know help me progress as an individual all while, you know, connecting personally as well. So usually night work is a little more relaxed, usually. <laughs> You'd mentioned that's when you can really focus on a tree you're working on or 
work on your skills. How is that for you? Is that come natural for you? Is it really hard for you to kind of say, oh, I've got two hours right now. I've got a bunch of wire over here and a tree in front of me. Um, I guess I'm going to teach myself how to wire better. <laughs> no, it's, it's not. It does, that does not come naturally. It is not easy. It doesn't sound easy. It's hard to work hard all day, go home, eat dinner, and then have the drive to go back to work, to work more. It's not, yeah, it's not easy. Um, it's, it's, it's fun to, to work on cool trees and to wire them, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel like that in the moment. You know, it feels like work. Interesting. So it's, it's a different thought process. You had also mentioned that you've been thinking a little more about design recently, as opposed to just the technical aspects of what you're doing. And I thought, I just can't imagine trying to be creative and design savvy on top of everything else when you're exhausted and trying to decide where to set a branch or move an apex or something. Yeah, so my Oyakata is really good at progressing me forward. So he doesn't teach me in a traditional sense where, yeah, you know, if do this or do that, but the, tr the work that he does give me kind of sets me up for that thought process. Huh. And I think in, in, in learning bonsai, you know, you, you really have to build on the foundation, right? Like you need to be able to learn how to wire a branch correctly before knowing where to move it. You need to learn how to move it to put it in a place. Then you need to take that place to make a whole branch and you need a branch to make a whole tree. And so it, it kind of all builds on itself mm -hmm. um, from my experience at least. And now that I'm getting a lot better at my wiring and moving branches and starting to get better at building clouds, I can start to work with those clouds together as a whole like composition on a tree and learning how to create and how to, how to put this in words, how to create like an image in an artful artistic kind of way. I don't know if that makes sense. It's an abstract concept and it's so funny for as seriously as we pursue bonsai, when all of the technique in the world is in your hands, you're deciding, should I put the branch here or should I put it there? Like that's the art. Yeah. I, like, really I mean, it's, it's kind of like saying a painter deciding is, is am I, am I going to dip the brush in red or blue? You know, am I going to strike the canvas here or there? And we're pretty much deciding, well, if I cut it here, we're expecting growth result at point A or B. If I wire a branch and position it, it's going to be in one of these things. And yet it's incredibly complex. It's three dimensional. We have to um, preserve the health of the tree. And so there's a lot going on with these seemingly straightforward actions, you know? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good way of putting it. There's a lot of details that go into the overall artfulness of it, you know? And so just now, last week, 
now I'm having that. Oh, that. you're in your head. We'll change topics now. <laughs> so just uh, last week, Adam sent me a photo of a tree that he'd been wiring. And the instantaneous thought that struck me is, that is not an easy tree to style. Now, it looked like the wiring of it could have been more straightforward because it wasn't the most dense tree in the world. Was that a white pine? Which one? The one that was, uh, you had just wired it. It was a, not bunjin, but kind of no branches on the bottom half and more sparse oh, up above. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bunjin, and, yes. Yeah, and so it looked like the challenge was how do you take not that many branches and up on the apex, it's like there was a little cap right centered on top and just one branch to the back below that. Otherwise there was nothing else in that whole apical area. And I just thought that doesn't seem like a straightforward design puzzle right there. Yeah, I think Boonjin in particular kind of really um, encapsulates the, the whole artistic form of bonsai i actually really like bunjin for that reason because it can be a, it, it's not so straightforward there's a lot of little things that can go to give the tree a whole different feeling with little little changes you know so that's when i that tree is what kind of like what i was telling you um starting to learn about how the little changes can kind of incorporate into a whole design. Okay, I think we're gonna take a quick break here and hear from one of our sponsors. Be right back. We here at the Bonsai Wire podcast were chatting a few weeks ago about a need within our community that we think we can help with. Do you live in a hot, dry climate but dream of growing Japanese maples? Did you have to move to Northern Canada for a job but have always loved growing tropical trees? Finally, our exclusive leaf punches, patent pending, are a way to solve your problems without compromise. We've been working tirelessly with the manufacturer in Japan to develop a line of custom-made punches especially for cutting leaves on bonsai. All you need to do is to buy a tree that is hardy in your local climate and then use one of our custom leaf punches to cut each leaf into the shape of the tree you would like to grow. In less than an afternoon, you can turn a common field elm into a beautiful Japanese maple. You can't grow ficus in Michigan? No problem! Our ficus punch can turn that ratty old tooth leaf salcova into the smooth leaf of your dreams. We are currently offering leaf punches in three styles of maples, a ficus, and a salcova in case you didn't like how the ficus turned out. We've been struggling to develop needle punches to convert deciduous trees into conifers. For the time being, we can provide you with gypsy moss to strip each leaf back to the veins, giving the impression of needles. Be the envy of your club and reach out to us on our website to get more information or to place your order while supplies last. Okay, let's jump back into the conversation with Jonas and Adam. Are there any specific trees or specific species you've really fallen for since you've been in Japan? So a lot of the work we were doing at Taisho Inn is a lot of conifers, junipers, white pines, black pines. Um, I don't think there's anything that I am kind of feeling more towards or more special towards anything in particular. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think there's anything that's like, I like this tree more than anything else. You know, this, I don't like, I like black pines more than red pines or white pines. I don't think there's anything like that. I don't think that way at least. And yeah. what about sizes or styles? Same kind of thing, whether a shoheen or a big tree, you're like, oh, these all feel good in my hands. Whew, big trees are a lot of work. <laughs> 
um, I think big trees are a lot of work, but they're easier to, to work on. They're easier to work with. Small trees are a lot harder. As in, in my, technically harder to manage? Yeah. I mean, it, like one little thing can make such a big difference on a small tree. It's, you know, it's kind of like everything has to be right for a small tree to look right. So there's a lot more to it for it to look like a, a good piece. Uh -huh. I think big trees you can kind of get away with a little more. Actually, I think you were just talking about that on uh, one of your last uh, episodes. Oh, it could be. Someone, someone was talking about it. Yeah, I've been over the years in some really fun discussions or funny discussions about people comparing working big versus very versus working small. And and I think you're right. Uh, your um, teacher, Taiga, is one of a small number of people in Japan who's very well known for working at a very high level with large material and small material. Yeah, it's it's really incredible to see him work. Oh, you know what I was just thinking about? Um, I, I am becoming um, a lot more interested in mame bonsai. Ah, are there any yeah. mame around the garden? Yeah, there's a lot. There's like a whole little section of it. And oh, cool. I don't think there's a lot in America. Um, so that's something that I've kind of like personally been excited about. Really small trees. I don't think I'll focus a lot on it, but I think there's a lot of interest in there for me. So. Uh -huh. Oh, that's kind of cool. We definitely could use some more mame expertise, let alone shogun or anything else. But that'd be awesome yeah. Yeah. to show us what what is it what does it even mean to do such small sized trees on uh, do meaningful work on such small scale trees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that'll be cool. All right, sorry about that. Not at all. This is perfect. Man, I didn't think I was going to be this nervous. I don't know why I'm so nervous. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm not usually like this. No, you're not. It's it's <laughs> it's pretty. Maybe incredible. the Japanese culture really is creeping into my. Oh, it definitely is. <laughs> I remember when you were home from your three-month trial, and you were getting pretty darn close to going back. We were all out at lunch, and remember, we went to one Vietnamese place. It was closed, so we went to the other Vietnamese place in town. Oh, and yeah, as soon totally. as we sat down. Adam grabbed chopsticks for everybody, napkins for everybody, made sure we all had bowls. It's like literally, there was just zero relaxation. We sat down, he went into battle mode, and within seconds, we all had water, all of our places, everything was there. Even the people in the restaurant are like, oh, we should hire this guy. <laughs> and, and I just thought, yeah, this guy's been in Japan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those are the little signs that once you recognize it, you're like, yeah, yeah, okay, I see. Yeah. <laughs> and here I'm thinking, come on, join with us. We'll treat you to lunch. It'll be fun. Come on. And you're like, okay, what do we do? What do we do? Here, here, here. <laughs> I still have trouble with that. I still have, sometimes it's, it's hard to kind of make sure that I'm taking care of everybody and doing what I need to do because it's a lot of work and it's really different. So sometimes I still could be, could be doing better, you know? The stories that I definitely sympathize with are when every senior apprentice and the boss and the boss's relatives all ask you to do things simultaneously. And it's just, they all know it's physically impossible to do it all, but they're just giving them ex themselves an excuse to yell at you for speeding up or doing something better or whatnot. 
Man, I have so many stories. <laughs> I have so many stories of that happening. Share one. Like, is that, yeah, what comes to well, mind? I have, like, I, have a, say that? I, have a, I have a good story of kind of what it's like. So during repotting time, it's a very busy time. Like there's a lot, a lot of work to do. And I was working with my senpai and sensei, which is my Oyakata's dad. Mm. We call him sensei. Um, so yeah, it was the three of us working. We were working on a really big tree. I think it was, I think it was a deciduous tree. And we're all chopsticking the soil in, right? Like moving as quick as we can. And my senpai tells me to do the chopsticking in one way, which is like you press it, you know, you press it in, you start from the bottom and then you kind of like work your way out. And so I do that, you know, he tells me to do it a specific way. I do it that way. Then sensei turns around to me and he says, don't do it that way. Do it this way. And he like <laughs> does the circling motion, you know, when you kind of like yeah. circle it around. So I was like, okay, fine. You know, I'll do it that way. And then right after he's done telling me to do it that way, I'm doing it that way. My senpai says, I told you not to do it that way. I just told you to do it this way. And so I was like, okay, I'll do it that way. So I go back to the way that he told me to do it. And now they're, everyone is like starting to get frustrated at me. And so now the, the, their voices are raising. <laughs> they're starting to get upset. So my sensei, again, you know, I just told you to do it this way. And he gets mad at me. And so I start to do it that way. Before he's done like telling me to do it that way, my senpai is literally starting to yell at me to do it the other way. So they're both like yelling at me to do it opposite ways. Oh, and I'm just like, which way do you want me to do it? I'll do it this way or I'll do it this way. But you're both telling me to do it opposite ways. And then my senpai hits me and he's like, getting frustrated because I'm asking a question back, you know what I mean? And I'm just like, what do I do? I don't know what to do. You tell me to do it this way, I do it that way, and then somebody else tells me to do it a different way. And everyone, not easy to be in those situations. I don't know what to do, <laughs> you know? Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it whichever way you want, it to, want me to do it, I don't know. How does Tyga do it? It depends on the situation. Oh, really, say more. Yeah, so. Yeah, it really depends on the situation. So it sounds like all of those are acceptable techniques depending on the situation. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's multiple ways to skin a cat. And I think that holds really true for bonsai. There's a lot of ways to do a lot of different things. You know, I don't think there's one, oh, there's only one way. I don't think that's the case. I think there's better ways to do certain things in certain situations, so. Yeah. What's classic is I don't think that would have been as fun for them, even if they had planned it ahead of time. Okay. Now you're going to tell them this and I'll tell yeah, them that. Exactly. And the <laughs> That's what it felt like. Like it's hard to believe. Like I almost couldn't believe they were like serious at first. Like I don't, it's that kind of irony. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That is a pretty great example. And it's not like repotting isn't stressful to start with. It's not like it's not super physically grueling to start with. Jeez. Yeah. Not a fun time. Not a fun time to be at work. So much work. So quick. A lot of heavy moving. A lot of dirty, dirty work. 
sitting in awkward positions, holding things at awkward angles, bending over things, yeah. sifting soil, la, la, la. You're a great mediator. You know all these things. I'm like talking to you with the assumption that you know exactly what's going on. It's hard for me to kind of explain that in words. It's funny. I have always appreciated these kind of stories. And so I just love talking to people and learning about this kind of stuff. And while I've never been through anything remotely like that, I remember one of the very first workshops I ever joined. You know, I didn't really have any trees at the time, but I would hang out at this workshop. And, you know, on average, I was 40 or 50 years younger than a lot of people in the workshop. And so if a tree needed to be held at a really awkward angle, that was me. And I, oh, if something was, oh, here, sickle this tree for the next 45 minutes. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. And I, I remember doing that kind of stuff. And so whenever I hear stories that kind of, spark that memory of oh yeah 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 <laughs> it always rings a bell well enough about work what do you miss from home oh so much so much food i would say food i i think about food all the time i want some nicaraguan mm. naka tamales i want some good pizza i want my grandma's cooking i want my mom's cooking uh. I want junk food. I miss American <laughs> food. <laughs> Have you explored I, much uh, Japanese pizza yet? Yeah, I'm not a fan, to be honest. It's, it's fascinating. It's a very I'm different not, thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a fan. Um, so when I'm, I'm in the mood for pizza, uh, Domino's is the kind of the option that's there. And even Japanese Domino's will have some creative toppings. Yeah. I kind of stick with the American style. <laughs> yeah, food oh, is awesome. really different here. It's really different here. I miss food. I miss American food. I think that's what I think about the most. Of course, besides the obvious. Yeah, whenever you get a vacation, it'll be well-earned. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Have oh, you man, thinking about vacation is even a weird thought. Yeah, you can't even tease yourself with that. I shouldn't have brought it up. That's messed yeah. up. <laughs> A day off, one day off a month is a vacation. Yeah, people keep hearing that, I know, and it doesn't totally jibe. And it's like, no, that's, that's about right. And then in busy seasons, like repotting season, you're lucky to get a day off every couple months. Yeah, yeah. Well, Cup is pretty good about giving us a day off a month, though. So. Oh, that's yeah. great. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah. But and usually that time, it's like Coca Foods around the same time. Right. Big shows are around the same time. So it's almost like a guilty day off. Yeah, and show season's tough because knowing that Taiga is a really big presence in the Shohin community, you've got, you know, Taikon 10 in fall, you've got Gafu 10 in January, you've got Kokufu in February. Um, do you guys do some smaller local shows in the middle there or does he mostly do the big ones? Mm, yeah, usually it's just the big ones. Um, oh, okay. I think there's, there's, a, there's a couple of small ones that, like, I think there's one in Aichi that kind of happens every year that we kind of contribute to, but mostly it's just the big shows. Oh, okay. Yeah. Have you had any exposure to learn anything about the Japanese bonsai community? Either how hobbyists or customers are like over there, or maybe exposure to other professionals or people at other gardens? Like, do you have any insight at all? So, you know, just from what I, what I see, from my day to day, like um, customers who show up, you know, I'm trying to kind of pay attention to what's going on there. 
how are they interacting with customers, which is very different than what it's like in America. Um, but also during showtime, show season, just kind of seeing how all the professionals work and how they compose themselves. You know, my Japanese isn't, isn't really good enough to pick up on the subtleties of what's going on, but I can kind of get the gist of everything. Do, uh, do the regular customers kind of have a routine when they visit the garden? Yeah, definitely. It's kind of what's that like it all depends on the customer i mean a lot of the time the regulars really just come to like spend time at the nursery like mm -hmm. they're not always buying something but um i do think there's a like a connection with the professional that oh. is not just business yeah do you I mean, have just to like uh... the same way the same way how i was towards you like mm -hmm. If I'm not buying something, which I don't think I ever bought something from you, but I did <laughs> yeah. help you work. Yes. You know, I was just there to spend time and to be around bonsai and spend time there, which is. That's cool. Yeah. Do you uh, have to attend to the customers at all? Do you have to get them coffee or tea or. Uh, yeah, I mean, of course. Of course. Um, tea is usually the main thing or to help them unload and load and carry. But it's pretty basic you know i'm not really diving into like speaking with them or yeah i don't communicate with them unless they specifically talk to me which is not often right it's pretty kind of professional you know yeah which is appropriate yeah that's kind of cool have you thought at all about what kind of stuff you want to see in the U.S. bonsai community when you come back? Hmm. Of course. You know, I think about that a lot. Um, I'd like to see uh, more growers who can grow good material. I actually have been thinking a lot about that. Like, I'd love to come back and help growers grow better material. Like, I think that'd be really cool. Because um, I think there's a lot to be desired in America with grown trees. I would be really excited to see that too. That sounds fantastic to me as well. Yeah. Well, what's uh, what's going on in your garden? What's new in your garden? Oh, so this year's been a fascinating year because without as much travel, I've been doing more or less five years of deferred maintenance on the garden. And you'll laugh because you know a number of the trees, but <laughs> for the literally the first time, it's actually six years since I started doing bonsai full time. I've had time for everything except working on any of the trees in my garden. Yeah, and, the trees you really want to work on. Yeah, and I know how little work I can get away with, and um, push is coming to shove this year. And so, for the first time since you've known me, I have, as of today, I'm caught up on all the pine work. As of today, I'm caught up on all the deciduous work. I'm halfway done with one cryptomeria, and then I'll allow myself to work on junipers for the first time in, you know, five, six years, something like that. And so I'm just kind of chipping away at it, hoping that by the end of the year, I'll be in a position where, oh, I can actually do the right kind of work at the right time of year. And the trees are in halfway decent shape, definitely not fully in shape, but halfway decent shape to where I can do the normal time of year work for them. I don't believe it. 
I don't believe it either, but it's a beautiful <laughs> idea. And so I tell myself that every that's day. That's awesome, dude. No, that's, that's really awesome. <laughs> it's always like that every year. Oh, well, this didn't get done. This didn't get done. So that's I'm all you've heard me say is nothing but excuses all these years. And so literally I, I'm caught up on that's a awesome. lot of trees in the garden, which is fantastic. Now, How's because the big I, cork? The big cork oak. I need to get up there and work on it again tomorrow. It's doing great. It had a, it started showing what looked like a bonsai silhouette for the first time ever this spring, and it's leafed out again since I worked on it. And I've learned a big lesson by doing the deferred maintenance and working on these trees more frequently. I'm learning that a lot of the routines I'd fallen into just don't apply anymore. Yeah. It used to be very convenient to say, oh, well, you know, in January, February, the trees start growing, and then you new shoots come out and you wire them, you take the wire off and you prune them in spring, you know, May, June, you do it again and tune them up in fall. Mm -hmm. No, it's way more complicated when the trees are growing really vigorously. And so now I'm finding, I actually need to touch up the oaks and that cork oak in particular all the time because it wants to throw a lot of shoots right from the trunk. And I want to yeah. focus the energy into the branches I'm developing. So I actually yeah. need to get out there pretty much every single month during the growing season, remove the unwanted shoots to make sure the tree invests in the branches that I care about. And so this year has been a big lesson of letting go of the schedules and paying such close attention to the trees and just doing what the trees look like they need, given what they've been going through, which is yeah, obvious. Slow the tree down. Yeah. And especially and keep them healthy. That's yeah. the other thing. Yeah. You can slow them down if they lose their health. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's, I think, the most important thing that I'm starting to, like, really realize on the development process is that it's slow. You really want to just make it as slow as possible while mm -hmm. still moving it forward. Yeah. As far as, like, creating the age and the, the good stuff. And that's top-tier quality you're talking about right there. Yeah. I guess it is a different a different yeah i forget what it's like sometimes well and the slow's heartbreaking but so true so because i neglected some of my small pines i haven't done the cutback i have a lot of these shohin pines that you know i haven't been doing the cutback and wiring i've needed to for so long i didn't allow myself time to wire any pines this spring so i was just literally doing fall work in june and july this year yeah. So I was plucking the trees, doing the cutback, and because the branches got so long, at decandling time, I actually cut all into the old needles. Oh, wow. And I did that on almost every branch on almost all of my shoheen. And so a week ago, I'm like, wait a minute, it's September. Shouldn't these things have buds or branches on them? Because <laughs> the oh. needles are like a quarter inch long. And I'm like, wait a minute. And I thought, oh, yeah, these aren't decandled shoots. They're not adventitious yeah. buds. They're all needle buds. Speaking of the slowness, I pretty much bought myself an off year for these trees. They're going to have to recover for a year before they get kind of back with it, before these new, much more compact buds really start paying off. That's all right, though. Nothing wrong yeah. with that. We do yeah, that all the time. Exactly. And people don't do that all the time here. And so it was a reminder that, oh, yeah, this is what, this is what the full picture is of setting the reset button. It's not like you hit reset yeah. in June and they look good and september you hit reset and then a year and a half later they're fantastic well theoretically yeah i think that's the cool thing about having a lot of trees too is that you can you can utilize that technique a lot more because there's a lot of stuff to do with right 
a lot of other trees, you know, so. Yeah, so that's really fun. And so if I keep this up, so right now I've got a friend who's been coming over and helping out clean up the deadwood on some junipers. I did start doing some cutback on them. And so that's really what my next focus is going to be. And the theory is I'm already too late. I've got a couple more weeks left and maybe about a month from now before it hits, you know, pine season again. And so the goal is to start cleaning up all the deadwood and cutting back all the junipers and then just wire all winter. Yeah. I mean, I think that's something that I've kind of noticed here too, is that there, it's a lot more like, depending on what the work is, it happens all year round. Even if it's something like cutback or wiring, that kind of stuff just happens all year round. Yep. It's only the major ones like decangling time that's really focused on the time of the year. And you guys did your decandling in a very small window. It's just like, we're decandling this week. Okay, we're done with decandling. Yeah, really. One, it's like one week. We just do the entire, the entire place. And then showing, you know, a couple weeks later. But everything just gets done within a really short amount of time. Like early July or something, was it? Oh, I'd have to check my calendar, to be yeah. honest with you. I, I, I don't know. I forget the time, but I remember it's like, you're like, oh, yeah, we're doing decandling. And then three days later, you're like, oh, yeah, what do you mean? That was like last week. We're doing something else now. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. No, that's cool. It's a good way to give you all the practice you need within a short space of time. So you can really home in on those skills you're working on. And, oh, yes, yeah. that's how we do that. Yeah. So that's how's cool. everything? How's everything going over there? I, I feel like it's so weird to see like what's going on over there from an outside perspective like how's everything going over there well there's kind of two veins of things going on the one is everyone really misses having bonsai events this year this past weekend was the scheduled date for the u.s national bonsai exhibition which mm -hmm. has been postponed until next year so we're all trying to get refocused at okay where's our next event going to be how do we start making sure is the pot right is the tree right just resetting our calendars for whatever yeah. our bonsai events are. And that's the big one that's been on my mind this week. We just talked with Bill Valanis about it last week. And it's, uh, and so there's that. We're all looking for the events. Now, on the other hand, it feels like enthusiasm for bonsai has been higher this year than pretty much any year since I've been in bonsai. And after 25 years, I'll admit for 20 years, <laughs> I thought we were just around the corner of everything getting really exciting and then it would never happen. Yeah. But the last five years, the excitement has just been fantastic. And it's been really heartening to see so much interest from new people, so many people just starting out and doing far more advanced techniques than I would have expected to see from people a long time ago. And so it's really exciting just to see the demand for better material to work with, the demand for working with people who have studied in Japan. And really the enthusiasm and the nascent skills for what people can do with trees. And I think this is where being able to share pictures on places like Instagram has been fantastic because it's all over the map, it's all over the globe, and it just seems to be really accelerating, which is just, it, it feels fantastic. Yeah, that's great, man. I'm excited to come back. I'm excited to come back and start working, but that's great to hear. Yeah, and I keep bumping into more and more people who are growing that I don't know about, whether it's hobbyists or growers out in the middle of who knows where that I hadn't heard about. And so we have a long ways to go, but I know a lot of people are working on this. And so I 
too want to do whatever I can to kind of support that effort to make sure that people looking for trees have some fun stuff to work on. Yeah, that's great. That's great. I'm excited to come back. I want to get my fingers in that. I want to help out. I want to, I want to contribute. I'm sure we'll find something for you to do. Is there anything else you wanted to cover before we let you go and enjoy what's left of your day off? There's a lot to cover. I feel like I didn't cover nearly what I should have covered. Oh, should have. <laughs> the tyranny I'm of the sorry, should. I feel like I really, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I just feel like I was so nervous. <laughs> <laughs> You're telling me you can't naturally encapsulate the experience of upending your entire life, saying goodbye to every person, thing, and custom that is natural for you moving to the other side of the planet and uh yeah doing what you're told for you know until 11 o'clock at night every day that's not natural come on right i feel like there's a lot a lot of great avenues to explore with that i feel like i could have already written two books on my experiences um it's really complicated and there's a lot of a lot of intricacies but yeah well if we can can talk more about some you know, dig a little deeper into a lot of those different things we were talking about. We'll give you heads up. We'll get some of the other guys on the podcast to join in and uh, we'll identify one of those deeper topics ahead of time so we can play with that because I think that'd be really fun. In yeah. the meantime, we'll just see if we can cut your five to six hours of sleep down to two to three hours so you have time because you'll be so fresh on two to three hours sleep. I'm sure that third book will be coming out in no time. <laughs> Exactly. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm sure everyone will be very happy to hear all this, and we will be sure that we get you on here again before too long. Thank you yeah. so much. Hey, let me plug my Instagram. Oh, yes. Where can we find out more about you? All right. My Instagram is... Um, and we'll Adam. be putting links to this in the show notes. Oh, okay, cool. Adam, A-D-A-M dot J-P dot B-O-N. And we will point everyone there and I can vouch to say that you will find some pictures of anything ranging from a detailed shot of a wired branch to a beautiful place in Japan to whatever you happen to be working on at the time. Yeah. So I think, I think, um, you know, I think there's a lot of Instagram profiles where it's, uh, Oh, this is the finished work. Oh, this is what it looked like before, but I kind of want to create, I feel like I'm in a really unique situation where I can, I want to create like a whole story, not just mm. this is a tree I worked on. You know, I kind of want to create the whole story. So a little more context. Well, I look forward yeah. to seeing how you can figure that out on Instagram. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I hope I can post more. I, I hope I can have more time to take pictures instead of running around and nonstop working. It'll come. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Adam, for joining us. We'll talk again soon. Thank you. This is awesome, man. I appreciate it. This is really cool. I'm honored to be on your podcast. This is cool, man. Thank you. I really appreciate it. All right. You're a good dude. Thank you. Have a good day. All right, man. See you. podcast is brought to you by the fine folks at Blue Dot Sessions. Check them out at www.sessions.blue. Also, the advertisements are fake.
That was perfect. I guess. I guess. The only I'm so thing. nervous. See, now it's like, uh, I, I feel like I'm talking, you know, I'm talking to you again. I can compose my thoughts a lot better. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. I just like, I don't know.